What's up, guys? Welcome back to Between the Hashes. John here with James and CJ, as always. Uh, here bringing you uh, all the news, all the notes, all the hot takes in football, uh, all the big events that happened this past week. Guys, let's kick this episode off with college. Um, another eventful week. We're still kind of getting through that cupcake part of the schedule. Almost done. Pretty evident in that most of the top 25 won their games pretty convincingly. Um, quick snapshot. Alabama number one, beating Old Miss 62-7. Clemson at number two, beating Georgia Southern 38-7. And Georgia at number three, finishing off Middle Tennessee 49-7. We did have a couple good games, though. Uh, some of them that jumped out to me, Ohio State over TCU. Wisconsin going down at home to BYU. That was a pretty big upset. Huge. Um, Notre Dame and Vanderbilt played a close game. LSU and Auburn, probably one of the games of the week. That one was really close. Uh, and Texas completely blowing USC's doors off. Hook of horns, baby. They're down in Texas. Uh, which game jumped out to you guys? Where do you want to start? Um, I watched the LSU Auburn game. That was very close. It was very hard hitting. It was very fun to watch. Typical SEC game. Yeah, it was probably one of my favorite games of the week to watch, besides the Texas. Uh, USC game just because I have a hatred for USC. Bias reasons there. Um, but that that just – I love seeing an upset, and I love seeing it come against USC. But it just seemed like even things were starting to get tough for Texas. Something snapped for them. Something went right. They made a big play. And they kept going down the field. It was a very entertaining game, even when it looked like USC had a chance to come back into it. Like, it kept me on the edge of my seat. You know, it's it's funny you say that because I thought the same thing in the Ohio State-TCU game. TCU had the lead in the second half, and in the third quarter and all throughout the second half, the wheels just fell off, man. And I think of that every single time an underdog is given a favor to run for, for their money. It seems like one mistake and, and the doors fall off, and all of a sudden things start going wrong and it snowballs. And, and that never happened with USC. It, they never got back into it, and Texas was actually able to put them away. Yeah, very surprised by that, um, especially after uh, I mean, Texas losing week one to uh, Maryland. Did not expect USC coming off their loss to play like like dog crap, really. I thought I expected a little bit more from them. I know they got a freshman quarterback, but, I, I mean, Texas is not the, the Vince Young Texas of like 10 years past. They... They have no zero consistency there with the head coach. I mean, Herman's in his second year there, but yeah, I was pretty surprised by that. Um, another another good game early early in the early in the day. Uh, Oklahoma over uh, Iowa State, thirty seven twenty seven. Uh, Kyler Murphy, who uh, Kyler Murray, I'm sorry, who um, ninth pick of the draft for the Oakland A's last year in college football, might actually win the Heisman Start on his farewell yeah. season. Yeah, and then go play. And then and go play for the A's. It's crazy. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, he this dude is um he's just putting up numbers and numbers. He's his cut. passes look flawless. Yeah, especially way. um Oklahoma just lost their stop their uh their stud running back, Rodney Anderson, the week before. He's out for the year. So kind of expected sort of a drop from Murray because he doesn't have that that valve to uh to release. But uh, yeah, this kid is 
he's legit. It makes, makes you wonder. They seemed like they picked up right where they left off with Baker Mayfield leaving for the NFL, too. It doesn't seem to be too much of no. a drop-off <laughs> no. down there in Oklahoma. I think no. he's doing a better job than Baker. Bold take. Ooh, you are just chock full of the bold takes, my friend. I don't know. I came to podcast, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Number one overall pick in the draft, and the guy after him who's going to play baseball is performing better than Baker Mayfield. I think he just, at the start of this year, compared to Baker's last year, it's I'm more intrigued by him playing a quarterback than I was Baker. They do look pretty good in the uh, in the Big 12 so far to start anyways. Yeah, so. Big 12 is, um, I thought it was going to be a little uh, a weak year from the Big 12, but yeah, they, they, they're doing a lot better than the Big 10. I'll tell you that much. That's they, They're off to a rough start, and I think Wisconsin was exhibit A number one there, losing a Big game at home to BYU. And then you could argue 1B is Michigan losing to Notre Dame. You could argue maybe 1C or 2 is uh, Michigan State going down to Tempe and losing. Yeah, the the Big Ten has not come to play on the on the premier non-conference games. The only, only you know, guaranteed, the only um, premier win they have is uh, Ohio State over TCU. That's yeah. really been the only national game non-conference that the Big Ten has really showed up for. And it's very surprising, especially when you have five teams start in the top 14, just to see them sort of lose these non-conference games, which is going to solidify the Big Ten, not helping their case. Not helping their case. Ohio State, 3-0 without Urban Meyer. Uh, I think everybody kind of saw that coming with the talent they had, uh, but getting their coach back now coming up this week. Now, if they were going to slip, I would have thought it would have been last week against TCU at Jerry World, you know. Fort Worth, Arlington, it's their, like, stone throw away. But, yep, here we go. They'll end up losing some somewhere along the line, conference-wise. But One can only hope. I, from experience, they will. Um, but, yeah, it looks like they're going to run table. Although Penn State, they haven't played anybody, you know, of of, of, note, of a noteworthy nature. But Trace McSorley, he's, he's, he's playing the part. I, I love what I see out of this kid. He just, he's your guy. He has he is like the Baker mentality. Smaller guy, he just gets it done. Just has all it's all grit and heart with him. I would love to see him if 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 he ended up on the Patriots. That would I wouldn't mind that one bit. I know a little little homer take there, but um Shea Patterson, he's been he's been playing really well. Um but yeah, I I I would take McSorley as probably the best quarterback in the pack in the Big Ten. Okay, it's it's not Hornybrook. That's no, <laughs> that's for damn sure. He had a, he had a very lackluster game. So so Wisconsin drops a big one. They dropped twelve spots in the AP top twenty-five. Came out uh, earlier this week, all the way down to eighteen. Should have been lower. This team this team had playoff hopes, uh, and and a lot of the uh, the pundits and the experts were picking them to be one of those final four teams. That's uh, a pretty big nosedive. I know it's a non-conference game. I know it's early. Is that something they can come back from, or is this uh, is that yeah, the nail in the coffin? Yeah, if they went out, they'll be if, fine. In which I honestly still think they will win out. I really, I could see them going eleven and one and going into Indianapolis and winning the Big Ten. It, it's not out of the possibility. It's just one slip. It's good to have this one slip early on the year. I mean, you could really focus on what you did wrong, who you did wrong, and. It seems like Wisconsin only has one slip per year. This could be it, and then they go clean sweep the rest of the year, and then they're in the playoffs. Last year, it was the Big Ten title game against Ohio State. They had every chance to win it, and and 
Alex Hornibrook just couldn't make a play to seal the deal. Um, but staying on that topic, the top 25, we had three teams actually jumping up into the top 25 rankings. We had BYU with that big win at Camp Randall. We had BC and we had Texas A&M all coming off big wins and jumping into that top 25. Uh, and Oklahoma State, big win, jumping up nine spots all the way up to 15. Yeah, Boise's tough. Boise always comes to play. Um, it was a solid win for uh, Oklahoma State. They, um, like I said, the pack, the, the big, the big twelve has come to play this year. Let's see if, um, let's see how long, let's see how, let's see how far they can ride that along. So, when are we going to start getting into the uh, the meat of the schedule here with conference games? Are those coming up pretty soon, or do we have a couple more non conference weeks to get through? No, this is, should be the start of it. Usually, you play three non conference, and then you play eight or nine conference games. Big Ten start, starting up this week. I like it. Any big games you guys are looking forward to this coming week? Um, I'm just – I haven't really looked into it, but, I mean, I'm just mainly focused on Notre Dame and how – I mean, they had a better week. Not a great Close week. Game. Not a great week, but they had a better week over a uh, previous week over Ball State. Vanderbilt's defense was definitely better than what I assumed to be, and Wimbush didn't make any bad decisions. He did what he needed to do, got the win. Just seemed like it was just poor play calling. And he, it wasn't like he was running around in the backfield like it was a week prior and then just taking a sack when he could have just got rid of the ball. But next up, we got Wake Forest. If we keep going the trend, they'll barely win that. <laughs> <laughs> There's something to be said about winning your close games, though. And they have done that to their credit. Right. They've gotten a stop and they need to get a stop at the end of the game. And but not all those games should have been close. You you you, no, you don't we should have walked away with Ball State, and that was an awful game, and I'm furious. Vanderbilt, they at least played smart. They got away with a lot of calls. It was a lot of defensive PIs that they got away with. They should have been called on at least four or five different PIs that they didn't get called on. I was very surprised, and Notre Dame realized that the refs were going to keep the flags in the pocket, and they took every advantage of it. Hmm. Well, um, I would probably, I mean, hate to do another homer take here, but Michigan versus Nebraska. Um, very interesting. The offense is finally starting to click for uh, Michigan. But Nebraska is 0-2. Uh, new head coach, Scott Frost, not a great start. He just led UCF to a national title the year before. So he's back in his alma mater. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. And I use that in air quotes. But, um, it's up It's up in their ring of it, honor in the stadium, it is. right? It's official. It's in the uh, so it NCAA record book. Can't be disputed. So Suck on that, Alabama. Yes, so I'm very I'm very nervous for a hungry 0-2 Nebraska team to come in and face Michigan, who struggled a little bit in the first half this week. But like I said, they're, they're firing all uh, they're firing on all cylinders. But Nebraska doesn't have a win yet, so that that does that scares the crap out of me. Yeah, I mean, I know Notre Dame's got Stanford in two weeks, and that's the thing I've been highlighted since the schedule came out. And it's Stanford looks very good, and they got, um, and it's they haven't looked bad, but now they got Oregon coming up next week in Oregon. Oregon now twenty, ranked twenty, and it's I'm in a torn because I would like to see Stanford lose to kind of give me some ease, but then if they lose that, then they're definitely going to beat Notre Dame, and I kind of hope Stanford's one loss comes <laughs> in two weeks and not next week. What color uniforms are Oregon going to wear next week? Yellow, black, green. 
orange, <laughs> pink, white, <laughs> silver. Anybody know? No idea. No? Where's uniforms in football? No identity. We talked about this before. I'm I'm big on your uniform as your identity. I love the old school ones. I love the Penn States. I love the Alabamas. Mm-hmm. You want to go NFL, I love the Oakland Raiders, the black and silver. I like the Chiefs. I like the Packers. Those real old school colors that sort of tie that identity of the team together. If you're somebody like Oregon who changes it up every single week, doesn't do anything for me, but that's just me. Because Phil Knight's the sugar daddy. <laughs> so, <laughs> do they, they have a contract with Nike or something, too? Phil Knight went to Oregon. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, just like um, the guy from Under Army went to Maryland. That's why they have all the crazy uniforms, too. It's just their playground. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's their canvas. It's exactly. Their canvas. Was there uh, any closing notes on college you guys wanted to touch on before we head over to the NFL? Um, no, I think I am good to go. I think... Um, I think BC. I'm curious to see this kid Dylan. He former Michigan commit, backed out last second, ended up at BC. This kid is unstoppable. I think the ACC in a weaker year, BC might be able to stay in the top 25 or at least finish in the top 25 by the end of the year. But I am definitely impressed by them, and that's that says a lot. How do you uh? How do you think they're gonna do against Purdue? Uh, Purdue is 0-3. Um, they've looked all right in flashes. I, wa- I watched them versus Northwestern. It, that wasn't too bad of a game. But this, this this kid Dylan is their offense. If he just keeps on running the way he has, I think BC can handle them no problem. I like it. Moving over to NFL, we had a pretty big week, uh, week two in the NFL, considering we're so early in the schedule, still early September here. A lot of big games, couple upsets. We had another tie two weeks in a row. Uh, A few games I wanted to highlight. There was the shootout between Kansas City and Pittsburgh. Uh, Teams combined for 79 total points. Your boy uh, Patrick Mahomes throwing six more touchdowns. Brings him up to 10 on the year, which is just absolutely incredible. That's a new record. Most in three games, and he did it in two weeks. (laughs) Yeah, look out. Deshaun Watson's record might might be in trouble. Uh, Green Bay and Minnesota played each other to a 29-29 tie. We had Cleveland almost getting their first win in seven and a half years or whatever it's been. I've never rooted for a team that wasn't mine so hard in my life. So close to getting their first win. We had uh, Oakland and Denver came right down to the wire. That was a close game, battle out in the AFC West. And the Monday night game between Seattle and Chicago. Close game. Chicago's defense really came to play again. And then maybe the upset of the week was Tampa Bay taking down Philadelphia. Last game of Nick Falls, we got the report today that Carson Wentz has been cleared for contact, as oh, I yeah. rightly predicted after Tampa Bay takes them down. Carson Wentz is magically ready to go after that upset loss at home. Another week of Fitz magic. The guy did it again. Insane. Absolutely insane. How is this happening? <laughs> it happens every year. And then in a couple of weeks, his okay. carriage is going to turn into a pumpkin. So fast on the switch. No, it's not even that. It's, I believe it was said on the show, and I quote, I do not feel confident in picking them at any point throughout the first eight games. Correct. I don't see a win in their first eight games. Correct. They are currently 2-0. and Also correct. Yes. I was kind of on board with you, them going 0-8 in their first eight games. And look at us. 0-16. Yeah. yeah. It's insane that they're 2-0 and right now leading their division. It's crazy. 
That was a big one. I mean, they jumped out to a lead right from the start. Deshaun Jackson with a 75-yard bomb on the first play from scrimmage. Boom, 7-0 already. And when you're Philadelphia, you're playing with Nick Foles. I believe they lost Mike Wallace to an ankle injury, which looks like it could be pretty serious. Alshon Jeffrey's still not back from that shoulder injury. I believe he had surgery in the offseason. They're looking a little thin at receiver, and when you're playing with a backup quarterback, they're just not built to come from behind. So they're down in a seven-point hole 15 seconds after the gun. That's a bad place to be for Philadelphia. Yeah, not very good. Um, especially, too, this must be the crown jewel of the NFC East, and thank God Wentz is coming back. That's that's. I think that's going to be their saving grace. I think we all know Foles sold his soul to the devil. <laughs> and with you, you got you to pay the piper. And this is now he's paying the piper back to reality. It's going to be a different story once Wentz is uh, under center. You know, based on tiebreakers and all that, I know it's early. Dallas is in first place so far in the NFC East. Boy, crap. Take that, take that for what it's worth. Dallas uh, tied with Washington, actually. Yeah, they both have. Both at one and one. Yeah. Uh, how about your brownies? They had their chance. Oh, one and one. Oh, one and one for my Brown's making the playoff statement. This ain't looking too good right now. Is that still their best start since 2004? <laughs> has to be. Couldn't be worse. It might be. <laughs> Less losses than they probably oh. had, right? But it's insane that they haven't gone to win, but they've been so close to beating Pittsburgh and the Saints. Mm-hmm. Not two easy teams to beat, and they've come down to the wire every time. And they just, they just don't have it in them to win that game at the end of the game. And that's what it is. Loser franchises are going to find ways to lose. And Cleveland is just reinventing it. Lose by three points when they miss two PATs throughout the course of the game and missed a field goal at the end of the game. Poor Zane Gonzalez uh, going out there and kicking with a groin injury that Hugh Jackson allegedly didn't even know about. And then they cut the poor kid after the game. Is anybody even like... Keep it in contact. Is he on suicide watch yet? Or I feel bad for the kid, man. Yeah, lots coming over to him after the game. That was, that, it's, that was nice. It that's got to be such a hard thing. Even like not even just to lose the game, and like you had a chance to tie the game, be in a good spot with your franchise, and then you miss that, and you go to look back at like all your bad kicks and what you did throughout the game, and it's shank, 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 mm-hmm. shank. It's it gonna be tough for him to come back from this and if he does great all power to him he shows a lot more mental capability than i do i hope he gets another shot he'll catch on in camp with some team sometime down the road maybe next year maybe some team is dealing with an injury and they bring him in um but it just it stinks to see a kid go through uh adversity and hardships like that i guess um and you know we have that kid uh, missing two PATs, missing the the field goal at the buzzer that would have tied it. Brandon McManus, kicker for the Denver Broncos, uh, wins the game under 10 seconds to go with a nice field goal to take that win right away from Oakland. Derek Carr completing 91% of his passes. I think he was 29 of 31 or 32, something crazy like that. Uh, quarterback rating over 114. It's it's such a shame that wins aren't a quarterback stat or he, he might have got it. If only football wasn't a team sport and you had to play defense and special teams, Derek Carr might have another W he can chalk up under his belt. I mean, that that combo of Cooper 
and Carr, it's going to make you wonder, what if? Like, what if they had a competent coach? What if they didn't play for the Raiders of all (laughs) franchises? How good could the two of them be? I mean, Cooper had a great uh, Cooper had a great game. Ten catches, hundred sixteen yards. Like you said, Carr was Carr was on fire. But Chucky is this is going to be <laughs> Chucky is going to have an impact on this team. And Chucky's coaching in nineteen ninety nine still. Yes, his his brain is zorped. Like this is it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating watching a team go through this, and you hear like, "Oh, they John Gruden's going to win the West." And the worst part is <laughs> they're moving to Vegas, so this is like the this I'll is what they're going to be remembered later. by. This is what they're going to be finally remembered by, and it's just going to be such a like a craptastic next two years. Oh boy, I still Ugh. love that term, craptastic. And it it stinks too. You think of you think of a fan base that doesn't deserve to lose their team, and Oakland's no. got to be up there. They, they up have there. stunk for a long time. And that place fills up. The black hole goes crazy every single week. Because it's, I mean, with Cleveland, them being loser franchise, you're going into every week thinking they're going to lose, knowing they're going to lose. But with Raiders, (laughs) game one, every year, you're like, this might be a year we can turn around. This might be it. And then it's just open. The Raiders have been one year away for the last eight or nine years. And I thought, this is going back a few years now, and Tom Cable was their head coach. Oh boy. They went 8-8, eight and eight, and it was their first time at 500 in a couple of years. And they fired him, and they ended up having to start all over, and I believe that's around when Jamarcus Russell happened, and they just totally reset the franchise for four or five years, and I think they might have just done it again with Gruden. Well, let's see. They've had Lane Kiffin, who was oh. 30 when they hired him. Oh. Uh, Hugh Jackson. Look at his rebound. Gross. I mean, they have just, there's zero consistency. It's just the Davises. I mean, I I don't know, man. I just, that's not, that's a franchise I just would want nothing to do with. You, consistency is so important in the NFL. And you look at some of the most successful franchises, the Patriots, Belichick's been there for what, 20 years now? 19 years, something like that? 2000, yeah. So coming up on 19 years, Mm -hmm. the Packers have had Mike McCarthy since 2006. Uh, Mike Tomlin's been in Pittsburgh forever. Sean Payton. Sean Payton's been there forever. I think he's 2006 as well. Um, You need consistency. You have to let a coach and a GM get in there, build their team, draft their players, and grow. And if you're firing your head coach every year or two, you, you will never have that base to build. Which is funny because that looks like that's what the Browns are doing, and they picked the worst coach in the world to do it with. That's because Jimmy Haslam's a terrible owner. He's awful. He's terrible. It's got to be him and Dan Snyder are the two worst. Maybe yeah. Mark Davis is right uh, up there. Or, it's uh, the Mark, holy trinity. Mark Davis, ten years, uh, hundred mil for uh, Gruden off the couch. Yeah, that's uh, that's up there. But enough about Oakland. They make me sick. <laughs> uh, Chicago, Seattle, great game on Monday night. If you like defense. Um, the Chicago's defense came to play. That front seven is out of this world. Scary. We touched on scary. we touched on Khalil Mack last week. Yeah, <laughs> another sack fumble this week. Unreal. I mean, you think Oakland's going to regret trading him? Yes. Oakland beats Denver if they sell Khalil Mack. You're probably right. You're probably no, right. He's 100 right. All you need is one game changing play at the end. I mean, one Case, sack. Case Keenum played didn't play great. No, he so- he completed ten less passes. Um, Dan Carr, but had 222 yards, but zero touchdowns. Yep. Yeah, he went 19 for 35, and Carr went 28 for 32. Yeah. 
32. So yeah, I was right there. But I mean, the combination of Chicago's front seven and Seattle's offensive line was just abysmal. Seattle, it's incredible how far they've fallen in the last three years or so. That's mm-hmm. that they're a shell of the team that they were that went to the Super Bowl a few years ago. Oh yeah, uh, I'm actually curious to see how long um, Carroll is going to stay there. I can't see it coming. He's I can't see it coming. Well, not that, not that it's not coming. I can't see him being there any longer. He's not going to stay around for that long haul. No way. He already did it once. He's not going to do it again there. I, he's a guy that I struggle with in terms of culture and coaches being a rah-rah guy. Mm-hmm. That's great when you're going 13-3 and three and you're smashing everybody in the mouth every week, when you're 0-2 and you can't win a game and you're getting the crap kicked out of you, that message gets lost and gets old real fast. College mentality. Well, it's because if you have a great team around you, you can be the rah-rah guy and not have the coaching ability and still get wins out of your guys if you have a great team, which he used to have. I, I don't think he's that bad of a coach. I just think his I think he st- sucks. I don't think yeah, he's that bad. I don't think his style – lends itself to facing adversity. I think when the going gets tough, that rah, rah, everything is positive all the time attitude can be detrimental. And I think that's when you lose players not buying in anymore when things aren't going so well. Well, I mean, these million-dollar athletes, I mean... It, They're not college kids. No, exactly. It's easy to get into an 18-year-old's face and, you know, motivate them like that, just screaming and yelling at them. But these athletes don't need to hear it. They don't care. They know what they're playing for. Yeah. So... It's their job. It's their livelihood. Exactly. It's, um, and then, you know, the last kind of noteworthy game of the week, Green Bay and Minnesota, 29-29 tie. Green Bay had the lead the entire time. Minnesota ends up scoring 22 points in the fourth quarter to come back and tie it. Another game that hinged on missed kicks, just like the New Orleans and Cleveland game did with Minnesota Vikings kicker Daniel Carlson missing two field goals in the fourth quarter, or one field goal in the fourth quarter and two field goals in overtime including a 35-yard would-be game winner at the buzzer. Mason Crosby also missed a 52-yard field goal at the end of regulation, which would have been the game winner. And that's things because he made the kick. Ice. But Minnesota got the timeout called and iced him. Um, this game was insane. Special teams, there was good, there was bad. There was terrible calls from the officials on both sides. Um and this is kind of where I need to go off on the NFL a little bit. They can't get out of their own damn way, man. The catch rule with Calvin Johnson was an absolute disaster. We've spent seven or eight years trying to define what a catch is. And I, I, I still don't think we have a, a clear understanding of what a catch is. No. Add roughing the passer into that group. The NFL made roughing the passer just as confusing, just as unclear as what a catch is. And the Clay Matthews play at the end of that game is exhibit A. So Minnesota's down by a touchdown. Cousins drops back, and he heaves a bomb down the middle of the field with Clay Matthews closing in and going in for a hit. Jair Alexander intercepts the ball. Under two minutes left. That's game. Packers win, except there's a flag on the field. They announced that it's roughing the passer on Clay Matthews. I think it's the same thing as last week at Chicago where he hits the quarterback late, completely unnecessary. They're going to have to pick themselves back up um, and make a play to win that game. So it goes to the instant replay. Clay Matthews did not hit him late. He did not hit him high. 
He did not hit him low. He did not lift Cousins up off the ground, as referee Tony Carranti said after the game that he did. He most definitely did not. He didn't pile drive him into the ground. He did not land with his weight on top of the quarterback, and he didn't hit the quarterback with his head. It was a perfect form tackle according to the NFL, according to how coaches teach their players how to play, and they still threw the flag. It was still a 15-yard penalty. Automatic first down, interception wiped off the board. Minnesota drives down and ties the game after that. That call cost the Green Bay Packers a win in a division game against maybe Super Bowl contenders in the Minnesota Vikings. My problem, and this is amplified because I'm a Packer fan, so it's hit, it hits home a little harder than it would if it was some other team, but the problem is that there are so many subjective calls that the referees have to deal with in the NFL that it is impossible for them to do their job effectively. And the NFL is not helping them. They're adding so many rules and so many stipulations to help with player safety. And that's great. I understand that. You have to protect these guys, especially quarterbacks, because these are the money guys. Everybody wants to see Rodgers versus Brady. Nobody wants to go to a game and watch Deshaun Kaiser versus Brian Hoyer. I understand that. But you can't, as Mike McCarthy said, create a competitive disadvantage for the defense by not allowing them to play football. Uh, The refs are being asked to enforce a rule book that's growing seemingly by the week. Everything is subjective. Like I said, their job is impossible. And the only solution, if the NFL is going to go down this road, is to have these subjective calls be reviewable. And that's not something that I want. It's not something that fans want. The NFL definitely doesn't want it. But how else can you justify it? We're at the point where games are being decided by these terrible calls. That game, the result of that game swung based on that call, which was totally blown. And this might be dramatic, but that could shape the NFC playoffs going forward for the rest of the year. Yes, it's week two, but that's a division game. Green Bay should be 2-0 with two division wins, including a win over Minnesota, who is the reigning NFC North champions and will be making a run at the Super Bowl title come January and February. They should have a win over that team in the bank. Now they don't. Now they're tied with the Vikings. And that tiebreaker for that division is in Minnesota at the end of the year. It's crazy that something like a blown call like that, which was so bad and was not even close, to being the right call, change the landscape of the playoffs. That's my soapbox. Uh, It's like 2012 all over again with the fail Mary. That loss to Seattle meant that Green Bay was on the road in the playoffs instead of getting that game at home because of a terrible call. Um, So I got my rant out. The NFL needs to do something to fix this. Again, it was a terrible call. I don't put all the blame on the referees because I don't envy their job. The NFL doesn't help them. They're the ones who take all the scrutiny every single week. Uh, the NFL needs to to work with the Players Association or something and get this fixed now. Yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. There's, I mean, I used to always think being a referee would be cool, but and then until you get to that close game call, until you're going to make a gut decision, and then you throw the flag, and then you're going to face all this scrutiny when you, it's basically a judgment call. Looked like it was him landing on him. It could have been him scooping him up, but it's not until you actually look at the replay where 
he was already falling back. Clay landed on his side. Like you said, he braced himself, all that. It's I do not envy the refs, and it's impossible to try to make a judgment call like that, especially with now catch rule, now this. It's impossible. So, so here's the problem. The NFL rules are so vague. When people call into question the integrity of the rules, you know, the, 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 the subcontext, the NFL does not help their cause because they just make everything more confusing. They make it worse. And they make everything worse. Nothing. They don't simplify anything. So by us fans complaining, which, I mean, it deserves to be. So these calls are – some of these cases, it, it's horrible. Like, what's a catch? What's roughing the passer? Pass interference? Like, when 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 you call into question all of these things, it, it, it's meant to solidify and sort of keep everything simple. But the NFL isn't helping their cause. They, 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 they just needs to be like in, in the most simplistic form. Needs to be like a, a, a like precise. What is it? What is this? Like what is pass interference? What is what is roughing the passer? What is a catch? Because that that call was terrible. You're going against years of training for these athletes. How you, how you teach them how to tackle, how to wrap them up, how you not to put all your weight on them, don't crush them. And just on the drop of a dime, you're going to you get it going since years of instinct. Like it's it's so it's I mean I this it might be a pretty big overreaction, but it felt like this week with the NFL doubling down and actually saying that the not only was the call correct, but they're gonna use that video as a teaching tape on how not to tackle. That ballsy. It it feels like football as I know it died this week. Yeah. I, I under I said this during my rant. I understand protecting the quarterbacks. They're the faces of the NFL. They're the faces of the franchise. That's what those are the guys the fans pay tickets to see. You got to protect them somewhat. But they're football players, man. And and I thought of this today, specifically with this being roughing the passer. One of one of the most highly regarded qualities of an NFL quarterback is courage. You have to have the guy who's going to stand in the pocket who's going to look at the rush, who's going to deliver a strike, make a big play for his team when he knows that he's going to get walloped. And he's going to take that hit. He's going to pick himself off the turf, go to the line of scrimmage, and do it again. That's what all of the Hall of Famers do. That's what separates the elite quarterbacks from the guys who just can't do it. Is that quality not important anymore? If they have nothing to fear because they literally cannot get hit anymore, it it changes everything. The, the very concept of toughness as a quarterback ceases to exist if they're not allowed to be hit anymore. Just put flags on them at that point. How are defenders supposed to affect the game and influence the game? I mean, how many games have been won because a quarterback gets knocked off his game because he's getting knocked around? Look, look at the Patriots-Broncos AFC Championship game in Denver. What was Brady hit, 25 times? Something like that. That, that determined the game. If you can't hit Brady there, the Patriots win that game and they go to the Super Bowl. Agreed. You, you cannot take that element out of the sport or it's going to be seven-on-seven seven flag football. Football, as we know, it feels like it died this week with the NFL doubling down on that call. The justification of the NFL. I mean, it really is. It, and you know what's sad, too, is – all of these protections are, are getting amplified for quarterbacks. The NFL doesn't give a crap if, if a running back running between the tackles oh, gets cracked not. in the face. Oh, please. It doesn't matter. It, and and with, the, with this roughing the passer stuff, we need consistency. In the Patriots-Jaguars game, Brady took an identical hit to what Kirk Cousins did, mm-hmm. only I would argue it was more violent. 
Yeah. Same thing. Shoulder pad right to the midsection, mm-hmm. got folded in half, tackled to the ground with no flag. If 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 the penalty called for Kirk Cousins it is roughing the passer in that case, in that Clay Matthews play, that has to be roughing the passer on, I think it was Fowler um, for Jacksonville on Tom Brady. It was the same hit. He hit him harder than Clay Matthews hit Cousins. And that one's not called? Nope. It, it, they need they need to figure this out. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what to do. I, I'm speechless. I, I I don't know how to fix this. I don't know. And, and they're not going to scale it back. Once you put rules in place to protect players and, and keep them safe, you're not going to take those out. You can't do that. Nope. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm ready to move on. I'm yeah. mad now. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, this the 2018 NFL season is two weeks old. Two weeks. 14 days, and it has been wild from the start. We've got Khalil Mack traded to the Bears, easily early contested Stolen for defensive by player. Stolen by the yeah. Bears. Has to be the early, early front runner for defensive player of the year so far. 100%. He's got two strip sacks. He's got a pick six. I think he's got 10 tackles already as a defensive end. Isn't even playing the whole game because he's not in game shape yet. Yeah. We've got two ties. We've got Des Bryant and Eric Reed, two of the most talented free agents out there still unsigned. Plenty of teams looking for safety help. Plenty of teams looking for wide receiver help. And these guys, they can't find a job. Le'Veon Bell, who the hell knows what's going on with him? Is he going to report anytime soon? Steelers could use him. Oh, Steelers are in total disarray. Dude. They're a mess. AB doesn't a- just show yeah, practice on show Monday. The practice They're a mess. Tweet out, trade me. Tom and God, are they going to get – are they going to get – No, because – the Steelers, like you said, how like bad franchises keep getting new coaches, don't stick with somebody and all that. The Steelers do not do that. They've had, what, three coaches in the past 60-something years? It's, I think it's no. – Chuck Noll was in the 70s, so it's been yeah, at least 40 years. Coming. Yeah, it's been at Howard, least 40 years. And then Tomlin. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, the they, don't, they don't fire their coaches. No. Tomlin can literally just sit there and not even put on a headset. And he'd be like, he's doing a great job. If they are hovering around 500 and miss the playoffs, though, it might. I think that might be it. Yeah, if he loses that locker room, if AB does what he does, I would have got rid of him two years ago. Well, because yeah. you're, yeah, and I, then he loses to Jacksonville last year. Yeah, after that, after the stunning he pulled with Jacoby Jones. Yeah, I would have got rid of him. <laughs> the sideline. Yeah, stand on the sideline. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't even stop there. We had Vontae Davis for the Buffalo Bills retiring at halftime, literally putting on his street clothes and leaving the stadium at halftime saying he quit. We got Patrick Mahomes, Ryan Fitzpatrick are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL so far through two weeks. We have the Buccaneers, the Dolphins, the Bengals, and the Redskins leading their respective divisions. I don't think anybody saw that coming. We got Michael Kendricks being arrested for – Insider trading. Pleading guilty. Don't pleading guilty. White don't guilty. don't uh don't see white collar crimes in the NFL no. too often. Um, being cut by the Browns mm-hmm. after pleading guilty, mm-hmm. and then signing with the Seahawks, playing Monday night and making some plays actually in that game yesterday. And we've got Josh Gordon traded to the Patriots after the Browns apparently have had enough of him. How pissed do you think Des Bryant is? not getting a sniff from any other team, and yet 10 teams went after Josh Gordon. Something's got to be up with Dez. Now, you know where I think Dez ends up? Cleveland. 
something's got to be up with him. I, I know he's not what he was a year or two ago, but he's he's got to have something. I think something he's just asking for too much money. That's I think so, too. Him. I think that's it. For his sake, I think he I held on to his pods a little too tightly. I think that's just... it. For his and sake. he's not budging. I mean, for his sake, I, I hope. But if I'm it. sitting at home, and then I see the report that the Browns are releasing Gordon, and then now the Browns are trading Gordon, and then I find out there's 10 teams that want Gordon on their team, and then he's like <laughs> – what am I going to do? So, do you remember Hard Knocks? So, the week Dez came to visit the Browns, Josh Gordon returned to Cleveland. So, that put a halt to him coming to Cleveland. So, now that Gordon's out of the picture, does he end up going to Cleveland? And that Cleveland was just trying to get him to lower his price, waiting to see what was going to happen with Josh. Yeah, it could be. I have no idea. It's, I mean, at this point, I would not be surprised if Dez just sits there Naked eating Cheetos and <laughs> for the rest of the season. Yeah, he's very vocal on Twitter as well. He's yeah. he's not holding that, any. No, he's back. shooting himself in the in his own foot. So, a uh, couple storylines unfolding so far this year. Again, only two weeks in. I've got a couple topics I want to throw at you guys. I want you to tell me if you are confident or if you're concerned with how these trends are going with these NFL teams. Pew pew. Real quick, rapid fire, and yes, we'll, we'll wrap this up with a few of these. Ladies before gents, by the way. James, we'll start oh, with you. Thank you. Uh, are you confident or concerned in Notre Dame's 3-0 start with two very, very close games against unranked opponents? I'm going to say confident just because of the way they played last week, where they played good. They didn't make any bad mistakes. They Wimbush actually got rid of the ball when he was supposed to get rid of the ball. He threw for a lot more and let his running backs actually run. And so I, after last week, I'm very confident that if they just play the way they're supposed to play, no matter who they're playing against and they just fight it out, I'm very confident. Same I'm concerned. I think if they're going to let it, if teams like Ball State and Vandy hang, hang around, what's going to happen when they play Stanford, Northwestern, Virginia Tech, you know, these, these good teams – USC, USC, I mean, they close out on USC. That's USC could turn it around. So I, fool's gold. I don't, I don't, I, I would sell Notre Dame short. Interesting. CJ, we'll start with you this time. Uh, Pittsburgh off to an 0-1-1 start. Uh, I'm calling it two bad losses. If you tie the Cleveland Browns, that's a bad loss in my book. Agreed. Play a hopeful team. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell loss. hasn't showed up yet. Uh, allegedly, there's some unrest with uh, Antonio Brown. Um, are you confident or concerned that Pittsburgh is going to rebound uh, and take the NFC North? Well, if I stick with my original take, I have to say confident. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I sense wavering a little bit. Yeah, um, I think no hindsight's twenty twenty. I think Tomlin's going to lose his team. I think he's a weak coach to begin with. So for the sake of my take, I am going to say confident because I, I think Bell comes back week four. I think. Roethlisberger, Juju will, even if A.B. wavers a little bit, Juju's been very solid through the first two weeks. I still think there's a lot of firepower on that team. I think they will turn it around. I say confident. Um, The only way that doesn't happen is if the Bengals don't become the Bengals, and the Bengals are the Bengals. Marvin Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) So confident for you? Yeah, confident. I'm, I'm concerned. I, ben hasn't looked great outside of that that 
or he looked bad in the Cleveland game. I I think he might be standing at the edge of the cliff, ready to fall off. Yeah. I I think I don't know when Bell is coming back. I don't think anybody does. I think the hole might be a little too deep by the time he actually does come back. And that team hasn't been the same since Ryan Chazier got hurt last year. No. I I don't know if that took some of the gas out of the locker room. The defense hasn't been the same. I'm I'm concerned with Pittsburgh going forward. He's a defensive uh, defensive leader, yeah. I think he was the entire team leader. I think he was the voice. He was the one to huddle him up. He was the one to actually talk sense to people. That's the leader of that team. James, <laughs> Philadelphia, one and one start, losing at home to Fitzmagic in the Tampa Bay Bucks. Getting Carson Wentz back this week, cleared for contact. Are you confident or concerned uh, about Philadelphia, and are they the team to beat in the NFC East still? Yeah, definitely confident because the Redskins – Looked good week one, looked horrible week two. Cowboys are the Cowboys, and even though they looked good, it was mainly more on the fact that the Giants looked bad week two. I am confident, I think. I don't think he's going to put up MVP like numbers like last year, but Wentz to Foles is apples to oranges. I think Dak is going to crap himself. I still think the Giants are a piece or two away, and eight. Uh, the Redskins, Smith is solid, but there's nothing left in AP's tank. You're going to see it shortly. I think he's going to run away with the run away with the division. I like it. Last one, CJ. We'll start with you. Uh, are you confident or concerned about the Big Ten Conference sending a representative to the college football playoff? Um. Ooh. Good. Uh, good one. Um. I'm going to say confident. Confident. I'm going to say confident, just because I still think Wisconsin can run house, go 11-1. and one. I know that means beating Michigan. But <laughs> and Ohio State. And Ohio State. State. But I just think it's either going to come down to Ohio State, Wisconsin, or Penn State. One of those three, will, whoever wins the Big Ten, I, I'm pretty sure can sneak into that top four. I like it. Big Ten. James, I'm concerned. Okay. They, all the – Numbers at the beginning of the year looked great for them. They looked to be one of the best conferences this year. And at this point, it's I'm I have my arms to the ceiling, wondering what what's going on with every single one of those teams. It's you're pretty much going to have every one of those teams as one lost teams, and it's are we going to have multiple undefeated teams, or are we going to have everybody as one loss? And it's I, I do I do not feel confident at all with the Big Ten sending a, a playoff team. Shut up, you independent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little concerned as well. I, I could see this playing out where, you know, even if Wisconsin ends up running the table, beating Ohio State, if Ohio State finishes with one loss, are they going to look at that as a better loss than Wisconsin's to BYU at home? Um, not sure how that's going to play out for them going forward. Last one for you guys. Uh, of the four teams in the NFL with a surprise 2-0 start, and I will list Tampa Bay, Denver, Cincinnati, and Miami as those four teams, which one are you most confident in making the playoffs come the end of the year? Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati grabs a wild card spot at, because I think Tampa Bay is just going to become Tampa Bay. They started off great. I don't think it holds up. Denver looks good. But I don't feel confident in their offense. Their defense is nothing spectacular. And I think Cincinnati, with the huge 2-0 lead in their division, I think they do enough to hold on to it for the rest of the year. I'm going to go Denver. I think mile high in the winter is a 
extremely, extremely tough place to play. You know, that change in altitude altitude gets everybody. Yep. And I think Oakland being in disarray, I think Mahomes is going to come back down to earth. You know, Andy Reid is still his coach. And uh, you, you know an injury is coming to the Chargers. So I, I think... Another one. Another another <laughs> one, exactly. You, you know, it's... um, I'm not really too confident on them winning, but of those teams, I think they would probably have the best odds. I'm Did with you? you. I'm leaning Cincinnati. Uh, and I... This is crazy. They might be my favorite to take the NFC North after two weeks. Um, AFC. AFC. AFC North. I think... Tampa Bay is going to turn back into a pumpkin at some point. Fitzmagic's going to run dry. Oh, that's and and, oh, and Jameis is going to fall flat on his face. Miami, I don't trust Miami as far as I could throw a penny. Mm-hmm. And Denver, I'm, Case Keenum was great last year. I'm not buying into Case Keenum. Give me the he's Cincinnati been, Bengals. He's to been make the mediocre playoffs. this year. Give me the Cincinnati Bengals to make the playoffs out so of that. Week AFC, uh, AFC West this year. Yep. A lot weaker than than people were anticipating. Yes. I think we thought the Chargers were going to be a little bit better. I, for one, thought Oakland was going to be a little bit better. I mean, I knew my Chiefs were going to lead the whole way. Oh, so. now, they're, now they're his Chiefs. They're on the board. Super Bowl champs. Now they're his I said Chiefs. making the Super Bowl, not winning the Super Bowl. I said <laughs> making the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. I'm In sorry. Super Bowl. All right. Uh, I like that. I'm tired. That was fast. That was good. Um, anything you guys want to touch on before we head out of here today? Do you want to real quick? <laughs> Picks this week. <laughs> and, uh, CJ is our top dog through two weeks with just, the NFL picks. Just want everybody to know that. I was not expecting that. <laughs> that <was> hysterical. <laughs> James, what do you got? A little curveball. I'm, well, I mean, him being a college guru, I don't think his lead is going to last for the rest of the year, so we'll see how it goes. You're only one win ahead of me. I think yeah. CJ's got a little Fitz magic going through him right now. Yeah, he's going to fade out. Like, carrot magic? Let's the, go. The carriage is going to turn back into a pumpkin. Um, you know what? I'm going to leave this one with a prediction for the third straight week. Next week, we're getting a tie in the NFL. This has been between the hashes. Hashes. That's James. That's CJ. I'm John. Uh, we'll be coming at you next week. Uh, hope to see you there.